Hey everybody, this is Dr. Sam Byrne, and I'd like to welcome you to another iClarity podcast. We've got some fabulous questions today, so I'd like to begin. This first question is from Caroline, and she's asking about a condition called uh, macular pucker. And she has uh, been diagnosed with this condition uh, only about three, four months ago. And she still is at 2040 in her visual acuity, which is actually very good. And she's getting some acupuncture treatments. She's using supplements. Um, and she's concerned about a couple of things. Um, one is getting the surgery called a vitrectomy. Another is getting a type of injection called jetria. So she wants to know what she can do. She's also interested in the MSM eye drops. So here you go. All right, my dear, this is what I'm going to share with you. First of all, another term for a macular pucker is called epiretinal membrane, ERM, also known as cellophane maculopathy. And the most common cause of uh, this condition is actually due to uh, the vitreous, which is the gel-like part of the eye, which begins to shrink and it begins to pool on the retinal surface. Now, in terms of the ERM, um, this defect uh, tends to occur in what we call the glial cells, uh, which can migrate and um, start to grow um, as a membranous sheet on the retinal surface. And this growth uh, looks like cellophane. And over time, it may create a traction or a pulling or a puckering of the retina. And this, of course, leads to distorted visual acuity and uh, other, you know, other loss in visual, uh, your visual acuity. So I want to share, first of all, a testimonial with somebody using my methods who has completely reversed this condition. Her name is Donna, and she just wrote me uh, the other day. She says, hello, Dr. Sam. I wanted to give you an update on my macular pucker, better known as epiretinal membrane. I contacted you a few months ago, and I have followed a healthy lifestyle protocol of juicing, macular support vitamins, detox, and two of your recommended eye drops, MSM and the homeopathic remedy for cataracts. Well, I had a follow-up visit with my eye doctor who recommended the surgery a few weeks ago, and the first thing he said to me when he walked into the room was, there has been a change, and something to the effect, we don't usually see this. Anyway, he asked me if I could see better, and I responded yes, and he showed me some tests and then said, come back in four months for a recheck. So no surgery for me, and my eyesight has definitely improved. Thank you, Dr. Sam, for your videos. They were an inspiration for change. I will continue to do the same protocol for the next four months and report back to you. In the meantime, keep up the good work. Blessings, Donna from Oregon. So Caroline, I want you to take that in. Um, I've actually had several people who have reversed uh, macular pucker, uh, in my community who've been doing my, um, my different protocols. And 
at 2040 Acuity, I actually think you're in a good position where I would continue doing the natural remedies uh, and, do, and avoiding the less invasive treatments like a vitrectomy or using this injection uh, called Jetria. And most of my listeners probably don't know about that treatment. So Jetria is a proteolytic enzyme um, that can help reduce some of the symptoms of a vitreal macular adhesion, meaning the vitreal pulling on the macula. Um, it's basically a, um, a process where the doctor is going to do one injection um, into the eye, and in doing that, perhaps to slow down some of the inflammation and uh, oxidative stress that may be occurring in that particular area. Now, some of the side effects of this particular injection could be things like um, the lens of the eye uh, moving. So it's called a subluxation, where it actually uh, shifts out of your central field of vision. That's a bummer. Um, some other side effects would be retinal breaks, um, actually um, a loss of your color vision, where the color vision um, is such where when you look at you know, the world, the colors may be dim or there's less contrast. So that's another side effect uh, as well. And some other, um, in clinical studies, some of the side effects of this injection would be things like more vitreous floaters, conjunctival hemorrhaging, so that's the inner eyelid of the eye that um, starts to get inflamed, eye pain, uh, blurred vision, macular holes, reduced visual acuity, and retinal edema. So it doesn't sound like a, you know, an approach that I would take at this stage because your visual acuity is still uh, rather good. You know, in terms of getting a vitrectomy, this, this is even a more invasive procedure. At this stage of where you are, uh, I don't recommend it. And in your email to me, you said that the risks were too great, and I totally agree with you. Now, you asked about the percentage of MSM that you should use, and I think it depends on if you can handle a little stinging and burning, I would go right to the 15%. And you understand that if you get a little stinging for a few seconds, it means that your blood vessels are not um, you know, working uh, efficiently, and the burning and the stinging um, is, a, is a signal that the MSM are moving, in a, moving you in a direction of uh, better... Uh, circulation, reducing oxidative stress, reducing inflammation, um, doing it through a sulfur-based eye drop. And we know that sulfur is a very important trace mineral, third leading trace mineral in the body that uh, is very important, not only for our eye health, but for many other things. So combining the 15% MSM eye drops, and I would do those four to six times a day with the eye massage, if you can handle that, I would start there. Glutathione. Most people are deficient in glutathione, so I'd make sure you're getting uh, enough glutathione either you know, through supplementation or diet. And obviously, the other things you're doing, the, the macula needs, um, the carotenoids, lutein, zeaxanthin, and um, astaxanthin. Those are really important for protecting the macula. 
I want you to think about something called um, hyaluronic acid. This may be something that you could use to improve collagen health. And the vitreous um, is related a lot to your collagen health. So if it is shrinking and kind of acting as a, a pulling away from the macula, uh, you need to start boosting your collagen health. And by the way, MSM eye drops can improve collagen health as well. So I would stay the course and I'd be patient. Doing my eye exercises, the one for macular degeneration, is also very important. You know, this gal, Donna, who I read her testimonial, she did the eye exercises, the eye drops, you know, obviously the, the lifestyle changes and reducing stress. Uh, these are all things that you want to, you know, you want to take in as a way, as a strategy to uh, move off of this condition. The less invasive treatments that you use the more of a chance you have for your eye to find its biological intelligence for healing. So stay the course. Um, I appreciate your questions and your interest, and uh, keep in touch. This next question is from Gail, and uh, she's asking about EDTA. She saw something on the YouTube channel uh, about EDTA uh, doing it once a week as an eye drop to dissolve cataracts, and she wants to know my opinion on it. Well, EDTA is a chemical that binds and, and uh, holds onto, another word for that would be chelating, minerals and metals out of the body, and probably the main ones today we're dealing with would be mercury, aluminum, copper, zinc, um, calcium, cobalt, manganese, uh, chromium, iron, and lead. So these are the, uh, the metals that we're not able to process out of our body. And in some uh, you know, preliminary research, there is a correlation perhaps between uh, these particular heavy metals and how it may impact the eye, especially in creating more inflammation, oxidative stress. And I've talked about in many uh, podcasts and video blogs about how a cataract is basically metabolic waste or free radical damage that accumulates in the eye. So EDTA is a substance that um, can perhaps pull these metals out of the eye and could, in fact, reverse cataracts. That's kind of the theory behind it. So I'm going to point, uh, point you to uh, two studies that have been done, and these are small studies, um, and I'm not completely convinced. However, the literature is out there, and uh, so I wanted to at least make you aware of them. So this first study uh, was done uh, in the Department of Biochemistry and Molecular Biology at the University of Texas. And the main research uh, person was a man named Dr. Zhang, Z-H-A-N-G. And he did a study, he and his colleagues did a study. He was looking at oxidative stress as a role, as a, a causative factor for cataracts. And <clears throat> he believes that the metals that are generated from this um, uh, oxidative stress actually creates the cataract. So that, that was his premise. <clears throat> and the study, uh, first, um, when he did the study, he found that by using this metal chelator called EDTA, 
combined with a permeability enhancer, MSM, and that's what I use, helps reduce um, the toxic uh, accumulation of a certain type of protein that is found in early stages of cataract formation. So his results showed that um, using this combination of EDTA and MSM could be associated with reducing cataracts. Now, in another study that was done, this was uh, published in a journal called Investigative Ophthalmology Vision Science, and this was a study that was published actually about a year, a little over a year ago, and a group of researchers were taking a look at the relationship between EDTA and oxidative stress and inflammation as it relates to a condition called uveitis. So this isn't cataracts, but uveitis is a swelling of the kind of the uh, middle part of the eyeball. And in this particular study, uh, these researchers induced uveitis in rats and then gave them um, EDTA and, uh, as, a, as a way to treat the uveitis. And the results showed that if these, uh, when these rats received this EDTA, that in fact it did help reduce uh, some of the inflammatory response that occurs in uveitis. So in this preliminary research, um, EDTA might be helpful. However, however, there are definitely some side effects to EDTA that I'd like you to be aware of. First of all, I'm just going to run through the list. The possibility of uh, creating irregular heart rhythms, um, creating an imbalance in the blood sugar in your body, um, reducing calcium levels, potassium levels, magnesium levels, um, very important trace minerals, the possibility of um, creating more uh, problems with liver disease. So if you have a weak liver, you've been diagnosed with hepatitis, EDTA might actually create more stress on the liver. EDTA might create more stress on your kidneys. Um, EDTA might increase uh, seizures if you have a history of um, epilepsy. So in my world, I think the jury is out whether EDTA should be used. Um, you know, my, my whole philosophy, Gail, is, is that um, I like to support the body to find its own uh, healing mechanism. And in some of these more aggressive treatments, um, sometimes it's very stressful for the body, especially if you're already under stress that it actually shuts down your body's mechanism for healing by doing these more confrontational uh, treatments, especially if your system can't handle it. So if you are interested in uh, re reversing cataracts, there are many other things that you could do before you go into this very aggressive EDTA uh, process. It could be doing things like the MSM eye drops, coupled with the cineraria eye drops, adding glutathione to your diet, making sure you're getting enough antioxidants and eating an anti-inflammatory diet, uh, doing the eye exercises, the physical eye therapy for uh, cataracts. 
you know, cleaning up your diet, uh, lifestyle, stress, um, getting better sleep, getting more exercise. You know, I beat the drum here about how we need to do all of these things and that it's a holistic, um, integrative approach that's going to take time. It's a process. You have to buy into, it's, it's probably taken time for you to develop cataracts and it's going to take time for you to reverse cataracts and, and improve lens health. So if you choose to go through the EDTA protocol, I would work with a functional medicine doctor and find out what heavy metals you actually have in your body at the beginning so you can get a before and after in terms of measuring if you're doing the EDTA protocol. I think it's important for you to know what you're starting with so that uh, you can monitor and track the changes. I would also, when you work with a functional medicine doctor, really explore your dietary absorption, your adrenal health and thyroid health, um, and uh, reduce any systemic Im- or systemic inflammation that you may have in your body. So I hope that's helpful to you. It's a great question, and thanks for your contribution. Take care. All right, this next question is from Luciana, and she's asking about uh, glutathione. And she wants to know uh, the difference between ACG uh, glutathione, the sublingual that I use, versus liposomal glutathione. Uh, There's a debate going on which one is better, liposomal or sublingual. She also wants to know about the other results RNA products and uh, what their product line is. Well, let's answer the second question first. And what I would say is that you can go to the website Results RNA and they've got a variety of products that range from supporting things like cardiovascular health, the immune system, joint health, and so on. In terms of your first question, the debate going on between oral liposomal glutathione and uh, sublingual glutathione, so let me lay it out for you. So in terms of liposomal glutathione, uh, this is a type of glutathione that is packaged in an artificial vesicle Uh, which is called liposomes. And so the glutathione is packaged in this artificial vesicle. And the theory is, is that then the glutathione is carried through the gastrointestinal tract and it merges easier with the cell membrane so that, number one, the liposomal creates a protection of the glutathione, and number two, the absorption is supposedly really great because of this merging between the cell and the artificial vesicle. Uh, So some of the issues with liposomal glutathione is it has a very short short, um, shelf life. And in terms of the research, it only raised the body's uh, glutathione levels moderately. When we compare it to the sublingual uh, glutathione, in uh, lots of the research out there, looked at many different research um, articles, over 50% of each dose is absorbed by the body. And I actually think that's even higher. That's a kind of a conservative absorption rate. Also, the other thing about the sublingual glutathione is that um, it's, it tends to um, uh, 
deliver the uh, the glutathione in a way that not only um, is highly absorbed in the GI tract, there are absolutely no side effects that uh, were reported in the research, and I haven't really had any uh, side effects uh, except uh, a, a stronger detox reaction, uh, and in that case, you want to reduce the dosage. Um, it, so it tastes good. It's convenient to use. Um, the dosing is flexible. This is another uh, uh, great uh, aspect of the sublingual. And overall, in some of the studies that I looked at, and there's one in particular that I want to point you to, and this was uh, in a journal called Redox Biology, and it was published in 2015. And the, the people that were studied in this uh, research project, these were people that are high at risk of metabolic syndrome issues. And so they had a higher risk of developing uh, things like cardiovascular disease and diabetes. And in the study, they found that the sublingual uh, glutathione that they used actually really helped reduce oxidative stress. And it also was a very effective preventative strategy in terms of using the sublingual as a way to reduce oxidative stress. And they also found that the sublingual glutathione um, had a higher bioavailability, so it absorbed better into the body. So overall, um, you know, I've been using the sublingual glutathione for about uh, five years, and uh, I have found it to be very effective in terms of both uh, uh, absorption and uh, making changes in the lens of the eye in supporting better eye health and overall health and wellness. The thing that you have to be careful about is when you start using glutathione, especially in the sublingual form, that it can trigger a toxicity reaction. And so it could be things like, you know, discharge from the skin, or maybe your eyes get a little itchy or scratchy. Uh, you may feel a little dizzy or nauseous. Uh, these are all symptoms of toxicity levels. This is why I recommend working with a functional medicine doctor and get tested. You know, find out what your mercury, cadmium, lead levels are before you start any detoxification program so that you can monitor, you know, the, the process of uh, getting rid of those uh, toxicities in the body. I'm finding more and more that people that have been exposed to glyphosate and different pesticides, pharmaceuticals, um, and other environmental toxicities um, when they start detoxing and they're using either MSM or glutathione, that, uh, you know, there can be some side effects that uh, you need to be able to titrate how much you're using so that it doesn't totally overwhelm you. So to answer your question, I vote for sublingual over liposomal. That's just my opinion, my belief uh, through my clinical experience. But I think in your particular uh, case, check it out and see what works for you. And thank you so much for the question. All right, this last question is from Terry, and this is a, a very interesting question. Uh, Terry is a 56-year-old female who has been diagnosed with low-tension glaucoma in the left eye, and she's got two small uh, blind spots uh, 
from the visual fields test, her left eye pressure is 19, the right eye pressure is 15. She says that she has an enlarged optic nerve with some notching, and that uh, she actually has been told she's had this enlarged optic nerve uh, her whole life. So the rest of the vision tests that she did were fine. She was also told to take latanoprost, one drop in each eye before bed, but she didn't take the medication. And she's working with a naturopathic doctor to do some detoxing, adrenal strengthening, and some digestive support um, protocols. Uh, She said that she has stopped all dairy and gluten, although sometimes she does eat a bit of gluten. She's doing my 5% MSM and the eye exercises, and she's really into uh, my information. And so she's got some questions that she would like to ask. So let's go to question number one. Based on this low tension glaucoma, is it due to an increase in the fluid production or the fluid drainage of her eyes? She feels that uh, with knowing this will actually help uh, in terms of the kind of treatment that she's going to use. The second question she's asking is, should she use the 5% or the 15% uh, MSM? And uh, this, is, um, this is a great question, um, so I will, I will answer that as well. And she wants to know how much, how, you know, how many times a day and how many drops. And then the third question is, uh, she's going to tell her glaucoma specialist that she's taking MSM and uh, see what he says as it relates to the eye drops that he wants to promote. All right. So, Terry, low-tension glaucoma... Um, usually occurs in about 15 to 25% of all patients who have been diagnosed with glaucoma. It is similar, I found it to be similar to open-angle glaucoma, Um, although your pressure of 19 in the left eye is still within the high normal range. I think the key to note here is that Um, you know, with low tension glaucoma, um, it really has to do with um, a circulation issue uh, that's related to the blood circulation. And so it's not so much a problem with production of the aqueous or aqueous flow, but it's related to uh, an indicator of not getting enough a blood supply to the microcapillaries, especially the optic nerve, and this is, uh, this is kind of the, the issue behind it. One of the synonyms I use with low-tension glaucoma is something called optic neuropathy. And so when we talk about low-tension glaucoma, One of the conversations I need to bring in, and this is going to be coming from a completely out-of-the-box point of view, and it comes from a blog that I wrote a few years ago, actually about a year and a half ago, two years ago, called Can You Restore Your Vision Naturally? This eye doc says yes. 
And this was a blog that I wrote in Mind, Body, Greed. I recommend it for you and anybody who's um, dealing with um, vascular disease in the eye. And I would also say glaucoma is related to a vascular disease in the eye. And I'm going to bring in something called BDNF. And this stands for brain-derived neurotrophic factor. And just like the brain, there is the BDNF that occurs in the eyes. Now, BDNF levels, uh, when they are low, this actually causes the optic nerve to lose its nutrients. In fact, in the blog, I talk about how researchers are boosting BDNF, and in doing that, that could actually have an effect on improving retinal health. And uh, I'm not going to go into the research here, but you can read the blog. But the point here is that to look at ways to boost BDNF, to increase your vascular health, to reduce the optic neuropathy that's going on from this low-tension glaucoma, these are the things that uh, you want to do to boost BDNF. And there may be other things that you can do, but I want to put BDNF on your radar because going to a glaucoma specialist or a regular eye doctor, they are not thinking about the eye-brain connection. And we know that the eyes originate from brain tissue at about two weeks after conception. So every part of the eye originates from the brain. Therefore, if that's the case, we can look at parallels to what we do to improve vascular health in the brain for conditions like Alzheimer's um, and Parkinson's disease. So with this particular optic neuropathy that you're dealing with with low-tension glaucoma, to address the BDNF and how to increase it is really important. So you're probably doing all these things to begin with. 20 minutes of aerobic exercise every day, 30 minutes of natural sunlight every day, trying intermittent, intermittent fasting, because fasting rests your digestive system and it actually can stimulate your healing, including an, an increase in your parasympathetic nervous system. Adding pre-probiotic fiber to your diet, gut bacteria converts uh, pre, uh, prebiotics into butyrate, a substance that has been shown to increase BDNF. Butyrate, BDNF. Check that out. Curcumin, eating curcumin to enhance mood, cognition, reduce inflammation, has been shown to increase BDN, BDNF pro production. Eliminating sugar and processed foods. If you're going to do sweeteners, low glycemic index uh, is the way to go. Drink antioxidant-rich green tea. Maintain a healthy weight. Cultivate positive relationships. Add resveratrol and other polyphenols to your diet as neuroprotective properties, good quality sleep, reduce your stress levels, irregular cortisol can disrupt BDNF production, add magnesium to your diet. It's estimated that more than 50% of Americans are deficient in this mineral. Add zinc to your diet. This trace mineral has antidepressant qualities and can also increase BDNF. So that's one thing that I would um, put on your radar screen in terms of things that you can do. Some other um, aspects of glaucoma uh, in any form would be the question that I would be asking is, how can you improve your blood flow 
to the eyes and the brain? Could it be through craniosacral therapy? I didn't see that you were doing that. Acupuncture is really good, but actually doing lymph drainage or craniosacral to really boost your lymph health. Obviously, these things you're already doing, reducing neuroinflammation, maybe doing something like color therapy, especially looking through a blue gel or a blue-green gel. The blue colors tend to reduce inflammation, and when you look through that gel for 5 to 10 minutes every day, this is a great way to target the optic nerve and the retina uh, because the color therapy can reduce um, the, uh, the inflammation that can happen in the optic nerve in the eye. Oxidative stress, obviously you're dealing with that. Uh, um, physical trauma, uh, harmful drugs that maybe you've taken over the years. Yes, uh, digital device use following the 20-20-20 rule every 20 minutes. Look out at 20 feet and do that 20 seconds. Um, heavy metal toxicity. And sometimes the heavy metal toxicity is very hidden in the eye tissue, especially the optic nerve. And there's a red flag that went up for me when you said you had these two little blind spots in the left eye um, that you still may be having hidden heavy metals there. So you're going to have to keep addressing that. Obviously, your dental health is part of that uh, equation, root canals, uh, mercury amalgams, those kinds of things I'm sure you're looking at. Um, smoking, it's probably not an issue for you, um, and estro estrogen deficiency. The last thing I'm going to say, because you live in Hawaii, and um, I, I work in Hawaii, I've got a license to practice, I see patients when I come there, I also teach workshops in Hawaii. One of the things that I've noted is the pesticide uh, issue. And I know Monsanto has a very big footprint in all the islands, and glyphosate is one of those um, uh, chemicals that really wreaks havoc on our digestive system. So I know you're working with, with a naturopath around it. I just make you aware of it because, you know, when I work in Hawaii, I know that uh, the pesticide issue is definitely a problem, and I just want to make you aware of it. You probably already are. So that's, uh, that's where I would go with it. Um, I think that you've got um, a lot of things going in your favor, and uh, I think, again, like I say, with all my patients, uh, you know, stay the course. Um, if you're going to do the eye drops, uh, the, the medical eye drops, wait 15 minutes before you do the MSM eye drops. If you do that, they won't compete with each other. I would definitely do the 15% MSM. Um, if you want to add another aspect to this, you could do Eyebrite tea, and this is a tea that you could brew up and, uh, uh, then let it cool and use it as a cool compress over the eyes. You could also drink the Eyebrite tea. Uh, Eyebrite has been shown to reduce inflammation in the eye. So, you know, and there are a lot of great trace minerals that you get when you um, either use it as a compress or drink it. So that would be a natural herbal remedy that you could use to support your eye circulation. But I wouldn't think of it so much as uh, aqueous production and aqueous uh, flow it would be more of thinking of it as an uh, optic neuropathy. I think that's more of what is involved in low-tension glaucoma.
Wow, that's been that's a lot of information today. So thank you again for all of your questions, your comments. I really appreciate it. And uh, we're going to close the show today. And uh, until next time, take good care. You're listening to a podcast with Dr. Sam Byrne. To learn more about his seminars and workshops, visit his website, www.drsambyrne.com. The Byrne Method is a trademark signature of Dr. Sam Byrne for his workshops, seminars, books, and DVDs. The information presented in this podcast is in no way intended as a substitute for receiving professional medical care. The design and purpose for this podcast is to provide information for educational purposes only. Dr. Byrne and his guests have no liability or responsibility to any person or entity for loss, damage, injury caused, or allegedly caused through the information, exercises, suggestions, explorations, or written responses presented in this podcast. Dr. Byrne is not a medical authority and his guests are not qualified to diagnose or treat any disease or health problem. This podcast is not a substitute for medical care. Dr. Byrne's information is only his personal opinion. If you have any health problem, please seek medical care for whatever condition you may have.